Manatee Memorial Hospital, providing advanced health care services in a caring and compassionate environment, presents Manatee Talk Radio. Colon cancer is one of the most preventable and treatable cancers in that colonoscopies are both diagnostic and therapeutic. I'm Scott Webb, and joining me today to discuss the importance of colon cancer screenings and the new guidelines is Dr. Reva Das. She's a colon and rectal surgeon with Manatee Memorial Hospital. So, Doctor, thanks so much for your time today. Why is it important to get colon cancer screenings? It's very important to get colon cancer screenings because colon cancer is actually one of the only cancers that we have a screening test for. Breast cancer, we have mammograms, and then colon cancer, we have a number of screening tests available. That being said, it's one of the only cancers that uh, is actually preventable because we have a screening test for it. Yeah, and uh, I want to rely on the expertise of an expert, the verbiage of an expert, but my understanding from colon cancer screenings, what really makes them unique is it's both a screening tool, but also a treatment option as well, right? That's right. You know, that is different based on which screening test we're using, but the one that we'll be discussing today for the most part is colonoscopies. And during a colonoscopy, we are able to both detect precancerous colon polyps and remove them at the same time, which makes them both a diagnostic and a therapeutic test. Yeah, which is pretty amazing, and we're going to come back to that. Before we get there, though, who's eligible for colon cancer screenings? Recently, back in 2018, the recommendations have actually changed. So as most people know, colon cancer screenings used to start at age 50 for an average risk patient. Back in 2018, the recommendations have actually been updated to recommend screening starting at age 45 for most individuals. Yeah, and I'm 53, so I started at 50, but as you say, the recommendations have changed. Right. Yeah, so coming back now to the screening options, you mentioned colonoscopy, which is obviously the gold standard, and I'm sure there are some others, but let's go through the screening options and really what's involved with each. I'll go through a few different options here. Of course, the gold standard remains a colonoscopy. There are less invasive options as well. There are various stool tests that can be used to screen for colon cancer, and I'll touch on a couple of them. So a fecal occult blood test is one of them, and then one very common one that people have heard of is a Cologuard test. The other option people ask a lot about is a virtual colonoscopy. So I'll expand a little bit more on on those. Fecal occult blood test is a, a stool card that you get from your primary care doctor most of the time. It's a very easy, usually you just take it home, you perform the test, you mail it in, and then you receive your results. The downside to this test is it can have a lot of false positives. So different things in your diet or any type of kind of blood, even red meat in your GI tract can actually set off a false positive for this test. So it's good for detection, but it's um, not perfect and not perfectly sensitive for colon cancer. Moving on to uh, Cologuard. So Cologuard is actually another type of stool test, but it's specifically a DNA test that's used to detect DNA that's found in colon cancer. So it's much more sensitive and specific for colon cancer. A virtual colonoscopy, that's something that a lot of people are quite interested in. It's actually a special kind of 3D rendered CT scan. So it's a completely non-invasive radiographic study. The downside to this test, I would say, is the part of colonoscopies that people hate the most are the bowel prep, so having to clean out entirely for the colonoscopy. And you do have to perform this for a virtual colonoscopy as well as a regular colonoscopy. 
Yeah, so you're not getting off easy. Uh, you're not avoiding the prep, which right. is yeah, you know, which as you say is is usually what holds people up. And I know there's been a lot of advancements, right, in how the prep is administered and what people go through, because that's always been sort of what held people up. I think just a little bit. So maybe you could just talk a little bit about how it's really not that big of a deal anymore, uh, and really shouldn't be a reason why people don't get colonoscopies, right? Right, right. Well, a couple things to touch on there. For one, we have had a lot of advancements with the type of preps that we use. So there used to be this notorious, you know, gallon of <laughs> liquid that people had to drink and, you know, spend hours on the toilet uh, cleaning out and all of this. We have made a lot of advancements. There's now smaller volumes of fluid that you can drink. There, There's also a pill form, which is uh, brand new in, within the last year. So the preps are becoming more and more tolerable. And I think the other important thing to note here is that, you know, with these other tests, they're not therapeutic tests like a colonoscopy would be. So if any of these tests come back positive, we're still going to have to do a colonoscopy to go in and find out what set them off to become positive. Yeah, because as you've said, uh, it's still the gold standard. And so there are these less invasive screening options, but oftentimes people end up getting colonoscopies anyway, right? Right. If any of these tests return positive, so if the stool test comes back positive or if somebody, something is found on the virtual colonoscopy, then we're going to have to go in with a colonoscopy to remove that polyp or whatever turn that test positive. So there's really no way around avoiding it if one of these tests come back positive. Yeah, that's right. And, uh, you know, when my friends ask me, younger friends ask me about colonoscopies, I say, listen, my son was 16 and he needed a colonoscopy, unfortunately. And if a 16 year old kid can do it, uh, a grown man can do it. Uh, really, it's it's really not that big of a deal. Even the prep wasn't a big deal for him. Just to, you know, stay close to the toilet, basically. And, and, and he was good to go. I want to ask you why some racial and ethnic groups are more at risk than others for colon cancer. So, you know, colon cancer it has both hereditary and environmental factors associated with it. So I think about half of that is the hereditary factors. And we do know that African-Americans are at 25% higher risk of developing colorectal cancer in their lifetime. There's also a 50% higher mortality if they do develop colon cancer. So it's very important that these particular racial and ethnic groups pay very close attention to uh, their symptoms and prevention if, if they're able to. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, we know with most things, and especially cancer, early detection is key. So get your colonoscopies. That's probably your message today. Right. Yeah, and I wanted to ask you, are there some risk factors that are beyond our control? You know, there's behavior, lifestyle, genetics, family history, age. There's a lot to sort through here, but are there some things that are beyond our control? You know, one thing, for example, is if you have a history of radiation to the pelvis. So with men in particular, a lot of older men have developed prostate cancer. And one of the main treatments for that is radiation. That goes for women as well, of course, with various gynecologic cancers. So history of radiation, unfortunately, is an increased risk factor for developing colon cancer. And then family history of colon uh, cancer, rectal cancer, or even highly dysplastic polyps. So if any of your first-degree relatives, meaning your parents or your siblings, have developed a, a high-grade polyp, that's also an increased risk factor for you yourself developing colonorectal cancer. There's also genetic conditions that are associated with increased risk, uh, as well as inflammatory bowel diseases such as Crohn's disease or ulcerative colitis. And are there some other ways to prevent or reduce our uh, risk of colon cancer? Quit smoking. That's one of the biggest factors that we know increases your risk for at least developing colon polyps. And the more 
colon polyps you have, the higher risk you are at for developing colon cancer down the road. Improving your diet, that's certainly a big one. So the biggest things are increasing fiber and water intake, and that's something that everybody could benefit from. And I think the other one, just as a colorectal doctor, I see this a lot. You know, people don't want to talk about it, but a lot of people deal with constipation on a daily basis. And it's something they've just learned to live with. They've probably had it for their entire lives. And they just don't know any other way to go about it. But I think it's very important to prevent constipation. I think that's a big factor that we don't think about in our daily lives. And, you know, I I always tell my patients that it's more important that you're treated for your constipation and it's, you know, take a stool softener and some fiber every day rather than be constipated and deal with those consequences down the road. Yeah, as you say, there are consequences. And I think you're so right. I think that's one of those things that, uh, you know, there's just some things that people don't want to talk about, even with doctors. And that's the type of thing, constipation, as you say, people just sort of tolerate and they may be doing it for decades. Right. And there are these things that are uncomfortable to talk about, uh, people don't want to treat and, and really affect our quality of life. But as you say, suffering from constipation year after year for decades can only, you know, end up badly for people. It can only increase your risk of colon cancer, right? Right, right. Yeah, I want to ask you too, you know, during this time of COVID, have you found that people have not been getting their colonoscopies? Have your numbers been down or have people still been willing to come in and everybody do the right thing, wear the PPE and all that? How have things gone during COVID-19? You know, I think for quite some time, our numbers were down because people were trying to stay home as much as possible. And unfortunately, a bad side effect of that was that people put off their preventative care. So, you know, things that when they really weren't sick, they didn't want to come see the doctor. Thankfully, telehealth has been uh, a blessing. So we've been able to see a lot of patients over virtual visits, which was not very predominant before that's gotten people back to taking care of themselves. And, and I think now our numbers are picking back up and elective procedures are you know, starting to come back again. As we wrap up here, anything else you want folks to know about colon cancer, uh, colon cancer screenings, anything that you think would help listeners? Sure. Just a couple things. So one, uh, I want everyone to remember that screenings are only for asymptomatic individuals. So that does not hold if you are having any symptoms. So the most common symptoms of, you know, colon or rectal cancer are rectal bleeding, abdominal pain, or change in your bowel habits. And if you've had any of those, then you need a colonoscopy. And uh, that can hold true for anyone younger than 45, older ages. You know, if you're outside of the range of colon cancer screening, we still need you to get checked out. Uh, Colon cancer screening is only meant for asymptomatic individuals. And the other thing I wanted to mention is I know we talked about starting screenings at age 45. I also wanted to mention for the older age populations, so the recommendation used to be to screen until age 75. And in recent years, we've also expanded that to actually up to 85. So between the ages of 75 and 85, we are now leaving it up to individuals to kind of talk to their primary care doctors and evaluate their own risk factors. And as people are living longer and longer, we're seeing colon cancer affect older populations, and and it's becoming more and more viable to actually treat these patients. So With the advent of minimally invasive surgery and robotic surgery, we're able to uh, successfully perform surgery in older patients and actually provide a cure where it wasn't possible previously. So 
I think it's very important that people know that between the ages of 45 and 85, you really should be getting screened for this highly preventable disease. Yeah, that's a great way to put it. It is uh, highly preventable, but people need to be screened, uh, which again is both uh, diagnostic and therapeutic. So uh, great to have your time today, doctor. You stay well. Thank you. Thank you so much. For more information or to schedule your colonoscopy, go to manateememorial.com. Physicians are on the medical staff of Manatee Memorial Hospital, but with limited exceptions are independent practitioners who are not employees or agents of Manatee Memorial Hospital. The hospital shall not be liable for actions or treatments provided by physicians. This has been Manatee Talk Radio, and if you found this podcast helpful, please be sure to tell a friend and subscribe, rate, and review this podcast, and check out our entire podcast library for additional topics of interest. I'm Scott Webb. Stay well.